You're listening to All Things From My Brain, the new podcast from the new universe. For more information about the author or the podcast itself, please visit the blog.thenewuniverse.com. Hello and welcome to episode two of the All Things From My Brain podcast. That was a blues track created using Apple's GarageBand. I hope you liked it. I had a lot of fun creating it. Uh, I am Patrick Hester, author, blogger, nerd, and guitar player. Mostly blues, but also some rock. Uh, Never country, though. Sorry. Uh, Just not my thing. Uh, I am the creator of All Things From My Brain, a blog, and now, thanks to the magic of GarageBand, a podcast that I hope you'll check out each week to see what's going on and what's on my brain. Uh, as the name implies, both the blog and this podcast are about whatever happens to be on my mind at the time. But if you're the kind of person who needs a little bit more structure, you know, needs things to be set in concrete, I will offer you this list of subjects, categories if you will, so you'll know what to expect from any given week on this podcast. Sci-fi and fantasy in all its forms. This means books, movies, television, you know, whatever's out there. Uh, technology, web life, video games, comic books, novels, movies, television, music, and the daily toil of the unappreciated, unpublished, and unwashed noob author. Okay. Not unwashed. Um, I do bathe. But I am unpublished and unappreciated so far. Hopefully we'll be able to change that over the course of time as I continue to write and uh, do things. <clears throat> but uh, as always, I invite you to sit back with a beverage of your choice. I recommend Southern Style Sweet Tea and a snack if you like. Um, maybe like those little um, the little goldfish. And join me on this journey into the things that interested me uh, this past week. It'll take about an hour, um, give or take, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. Depends on what's going on and what may have distracted me over the course of the previous week. And now, the show. First off, I want to say that this past week um, did offer uh, some distractions. The biggest of those being that I had to take my 67-year-old mother to the emergency room. She's all right. She's back home again. She's doing great. Um, But the... uh, uh, one night she was complaining of chest pains and, and having some trouble breathing. So I had to rush her to the ER and uh, get her admitted. They ran a ton of tests and decided um, that pneumonia was uh, the most likely cause. There could be a couple of other things, but um, they definitely think it's the pneumonia, so that's what they're treating her for. Um, <clears throat> and then we just kind of have to take a wait-and-see uh, attitude. A- after a couple of, of really, really long days and nights in the hospital, um, they have released her, and uh, she has uh, two weeks of follow-up antibiotics and uh, doctor's visits to contend with. Um, so that that really distracted me and means that the show m- might not be quite as long this week. I don't know. W- we'll see. Um, we'll see what I can pull together, uh, but I'm not making any promises. <clears throat> so, okay. Last week was the very first episode of the All Things From My Brain podcast. If you If you didn't download it and take a listen, shh. Shame on you. What the heck here, people? Uh, What do I have to do? Uh, Do I need to come over to your house and subscribe to this thing for you? Uh, You know, it's not that difficult. Just just go to theblog.thenewuniverse.com and and look in that left-hand sidebar, and you're going to see the little iTunes symbol and a little link. You click that, it opens up your iTunes, and then you click subscribe, 
and it's all done. And, and I mean, that would save me a ton of money, you know, um, on airfare and car expenses and stuff and flying all over the country, all over, you know, and driving to everybody's house and clicking the subscribe button. I mean, it, it would really be a huge favor to me if you could just do it yourself. So there. Um, of the five people who did care enough to listen to the episode last week, uh, I only really received one major complaint. Um, that was that my microphone sucks. Thanks. <clears throat> I, I, I really appreciate that. So in the interest of sounding more professional, I'm making um, sarcastic air quotes right now. Uh, you can't see them, but I'm, I'm, I'm making them. Anyway, in, in the interest of sounding more professional. Uh, I did order a brand new podcast microphone from amazon.com. Um, I went for the Alesis and I, and I hope I'm not butchering that name and, and mispronouncing it, but it's A L E S I S the Alesis USB mic podcast kit. Um, so it, it's a kit. It's got a couple different things in there. I also got the, uh, the pop filter. Um, so I've got that on order. Uh, unfortunately, Amazon, uh, doesn't stock <clears throat> the microphone kit. And I didn't realize that until I, I already had it in my cart and was already going through the process of, you know, checkout. Um, and by then, I didn't want to go back and find something else. So, it's coming from the manufacturer in New York. Um, currently, it's in transit according to the UPS uh, tracking site. Um, the last scan was in Louisville, Kentucky. So, uh, I'd hoped it would get here before the podcast today, before I had to start recording. Um, other stuff that I ordered... Uh, on the same basic order, uh, shipped and arrived already, you know, but that's because uh, Amazon had them in stock. This didn't have in stock, so. It, it does not appear to be in the cards, so I'm doing this show with the same mic from last week, which is a Plantronics uh, headset deal. Um, and the next show will hopefully be done uh, with the new Alesis USB mic um, and sound loads, loads better and more professional. <clears throat> so, there. In the news everywhere, Michael Jackson and Farrah Fawcett died this week. Ed McMahon also passed away. Um, and as my grandmother used to say, these things do happen in threes. I never really thought too much about that before. Um, but it is kind of creepy that there were three celebrity deaths in a week, which kind of makes you know it sound like she was right about the whole three thing. Again, kind of creepy. Um, Jackson's death is overshadowing everything else. Uh, Ed McMahon died first, and there was some news about that for a couple days. <clears throat> then uh, a couple days after that, Farrah Fawcett died, and I mean right after that, Michael Jackson died. And everything has been about Michael Jackson since. You can't find anything on you know on the news channels um, because they're all covering that, and then and that includes the mess in Iran, North Korea. Everything has just kind of been pushed aside. I think we need to to get our priorities straight. Um, it's sad when anyone dies, obviously, um, especially if you feel like you had a connection to that person. And I'm sure, you know, I, 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 I'm sure that all of his fans truly did feel that connection. And, you know, they're going through a, a massive loss right now. But I, I don't think that that is a reason for the entire nation um, to pay attention to only that story. I don't think we need to know every minute detail of his death you know, when there's so much more going on in the world today. Uh, we've got the elections in Iran, you know, and, and, and all the, the trouble that's going on there. North Korea, there's some truly scary stuff going on with North Korea. I mean, they're pointing missiles at Hawaii and, and playing a test fire on Independence Day. 
um, when stuff like that's going on, I just don't think that it's it's good for us as a nation to be focused on the death of a pop star, um, no matter how popular you know or iconic that he was. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to take away from from him or what he accomplished. I just think that we need to move on and let him rest in peace, and um, you know get on to telling us the news again. So that's my two cents, and I'm moving on. <laughs> Okay. Oh, and I've been um, I've been playing with GarageBand a little bit, um, trying to come up with some bumper music for in between segments, <clears throat> in between segments, you know, to to kind of break stuff up, and um, so that's what that little um, bumper piece was about that you just listened to. Uh, I hope you like it. I've got some other ones um, coming up, um, and so that's what I'm doing there. The uh, biggest news on my radar this week other than really the hospital stuff, um, which was obviously the biggest, um, is still the iPhone 3GS. I talked a little bit about this last week, uh, but now I have some numbers that I want to throw out there for you, um, some stuff that's kind of interesting. According to the Wall Street Journal Online, uh, Apple and AT&T sold over a million 3GS iPhones over last weekend. Six million people like me also downloaded the new 3.0 OS upgrade um, for their legacy iPhones. You know, so kind of a big hit there. Now, the launch, uh, the launch wasn't without some hiccups again. Just like when they came out with the 3G. Lots of people were complaining about slow activations all throughout the country. And delays in activations um, were lasting up to two days. And meant that, you know, although folks could still play with their phones, you know, and kind of fart around with them. They couldn't actually make a phone call. Now, AT&T wanted to blame Apple, and Apple wanted to blame AT&T. It's just like last time, you know. Um, when I got my 3G, the guy at the AT&T store was like, oh, it's going to take a while to activate this because Apple sucks. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but it was Apple this time that ponied up $30 iTunes gift cards for frustrated 3GS purchasers, and I think that's kind of cool. You know, um, it... it, it it's a little something to make up for the delays and, you know, to salve your frustrated soul um, over wanting your phone activated. I did hear about one really, really kind of cool thing that happened to a friend of mine here locally. Um, he had the problems, you know, he had problems with the activations, um, and it lasted a couple days. They told him to come back <clears throat> in the morning, and he did. And, um, you know, they basically handed him the phone in, in, in an Apple Care plan and said, here you go. Um, and he didn't have to pay for it. They did. They just give it to him, which is pretty damn cool. If you ask me, you know, at least there's a local AT&T store stepping up with some customer service and saying, you know, <clears throat> we really screwed this up. Um, we're really sorry here. You know, we want to make it right for you. And I think that's just cool. That's, that's kudos to them. Um, really, really good stuff. What I find, forgive me, I'm, I'm slightly distracted by the fact that there's an ice cream man. Um, going through the neighborhood right now, and I can hear the music. Uh, anyway, well, I, I don't know if you can hear it or not. I don't know if it's coming through the mic, but <clears throat> it's definitely out there. And the little kid in me wants to like run out the door screaming, Ice cream man! Ice cream man! <clears throat> anyway, what I find also interesting is, well, there's a couple things um, about, uh, about the 3GS deal. First off, I love how companies uh, take these things apart and figure out what they cost to manufacture. So, for example, I supply took the new 16 gigabyte 3GS iPhone apart and they figured out that it costs 178.96 to manufacture with all the components. 
with a retail price of one ninety nine, you have to wonder how they make any money off of it. You know, with it just being twenty bucks between you know manufacturing and retail price. Um, so I got to thinking about that, and I started looking around. And found a lot of stuff that talked about, you know, the deal that AT&T has where they're basically subsidizing the cost of the iPhone, which is is actually $599. So um, AT&T is making it $199, and then they're kicking back to Apple the difference. They make that money up on the two-year contract. So um, AT&T subsidizes it to Apple, uh, sending them a difference, and then they make up the money on the two-year contract. Plus, they make a profit, obviously, based on the plan that they've got. You, you know, they've got all all of us on. Um, then Apple gets a piece of every app sold in the App Store, so um, they're making uh, extra profit without really having to do much of anything. They put their API out there. Other people, you know, build these um, applications, and then Apple just takes their cut. So really, both companies are making a mint off of each iPhone sold, um, no matter what the retail price of the phone is. Um, the second thing is that the the iPhone really is converting CrackBerry users over um, to the iPhone platform. Piper Jeffrey has come out with a survey showing that 12% of consumers who actually walked into an Apple retail store um, over the weekend to get an iPhone were were looking to replace their CrackBerry with the iPhone. That that right there is huge. Um, seriously, it means that the the, the iPhone is, is making headway into that that coveted IT market for smartphones. That's where all the money is, and that's where they want to be. And I said that last week. Um, if people are dropping their Crackberries and going over to the iPhone, um, you know, only time is going to tell how deep they can penetrate into that market. And I think that you know, the main reason people are switching is the App Store, and because there's so many cool apps out there, um, not just the games, but you know, productivity apps um, like the uh, the Card Snap that takes a picture of a business card and turns that into a contact for you. It, it OCRs it, you know, um, it reads the card and, and puts everything in the, the correct fields, which is just amazing. Um, so I think that penetration is only going to get broader over time, and that really is where both AT and T and Apple want the iPhone to be. So I'll be watching that um, to see how it looks moving forward. Um, and then, of course, bring you news here. So uh, I love the iPhone. I love to talk about it. Moving on. In other tech news this week, what the hell? Kindle. Um, this week saw a shoe drop for Kindle users when Gadget Guy and blogger Dan Cohen discovered that his Kindle wasn't letting him download books he'd purchased um, to, uh, onto his reloaded iTouch um, with the 3.0 uh, OS, nor onto his new iPhone 3GS. Um, so he, he was kind of confused by this. He contacted customer support, and on GearDiary.com, he has a transcript of what, what happened with that. Um, I'm going to quote some of it here. Um, here's what he wrote. The customer rep asked me to send every one of the books in my Amazon library to my iPhone. Most of them gave the message that they were sent, but a number of them returned a message, cannot be sent to selected device. Oh, that's the problem, he said. If some of the books will download and the others won't, it means that you've reached the maximum number of times you can download the book. I asked him what that meant, since the books I needed to download weren't currently on any device because I had wiped those devices clean and simply wanted to reinstall. He proceeded to tell me that there is always a limit to the number of times you can download a given book. Sometimes, he said, it's five or six times, but at others, it may be only once or twice. And here's the kicker, 
once you reach the cap, you need to repurchase the book if you want to download it again. Wow. Um, that that's that's really bad. Um, but hold on because it gets worse. Um, again, quoting him, he he writes. I asked the customer service representative where this information was available, and he told me that it's in the fine print of the legalese agreement documentation. It's not right here in you know in bold when you buy a book, I asked. No, I don't believe so. You have to look for it. How do I find out how many times I can download any given book, I asked. He replied, I don't think you can. That's entirely up to the publisher, and I don't think we always know. I pressed. You mean when you go to buy the book... It doesn't say this book can be downloaded this number of times, even though the limitation is there. To which he replied, no, I'm very sorry, it doesn't. <clears throat> wow. Um, this, <laughs> this is a kick in the uh-huh, if you ask me. What the heck are they thinking over there at Amazon? Did, did they not know that this was going to explode in their face when people found out about it. I, I mean, imagine if you downloaded a song from iTunes, then you wanted to, you know, to add it to your iPod or iPhone, but it wouldn't let you because there was some hidden text in your agreement somewhere that says, this song is only licensed for one download. Again, with the sarcastic air quotes. Um, this is DRM at its worst. A massive nightmare. If you ask me, this right here could be a Kindle killer. A hidden download limit that you don't know anything about until it rears its ugly head and plants a steel-toed sex change right to your family jewels. Seriously, I, I, I can't imagine something worse for the Kindle, and, and I've got a pretty good imagination. I've been considering a Kindle since the new one came out, but, but this, I mean, this little bit of news is making me reconsider the whole damn thing. And I don't know that I'm the only one out there. I mean, when you hear about this, do you want to buy a Kindle? Um, a hidden download limit is the worst possible thing that they could have. Uh, you know, what if something happens to the Kindle? You, you got to rebuy the book? Th this is terrible. I mean, Amazon needs to do something about this. They do something about it right now and put this fire out before it just burns the whole dang thing up. Um, I can't believe that Amazon is is doing this and that they hadn't set some sort of standard ahead of the time, you know, and, and kind of dictated to the publishers, well, you know, you've got to have this, this, and this, and downloads of this. Um, this right here is very, 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 very frustrating. Um, I, I can't think of a worse thing they could have done. I need to I need to move on or start cussing about it and then put an explicit tag, uh, tag on, on this podcast. I don't want to do that, so I'm going to move on. Last week, I talked about the Ghostbusters game, and I told you that I was going to get it, and I did. Um, I bought it for my Xbox 360, but uh, due to the hospital visits, um, I haven't really had a lot of time to play it. I cracked it open yesterday um, and kind of started playing around. I, I really, really like it. It's a lot of fun. I, I love that all the original characters are there and that the actors, you know, are providing the voices. Um, the story seems pretty good so far. It's a lot of fun to play. Um, obviously I haven't delved too deeply into it. Um, but, uh, I think that the, the main thing is that it's so much fun and it, and it kind of makes me want to watch the movie again. I almost, uh, dug it out of the, of the, um, uh, dug out the DVD and put it in the DVD player last night and watched the movie while I was editing. I, I ended up not doing that, but I almost did. 
Um, all the music, the characters, the jokes, the in jokes, um, going through the old firehouse, you know, Echo One, all that kind of stuff. It's it's just it's a lot a lot of fun. Um, even the little you know ambient music um, that they play is you know. You know, stuff like that. Um, it, it really captures the, the spirit of the films and kind of puts you in there and makes you feel like you're a part of it. Um, so that, you know, I'm really enjoying it. As I move forward and continue to play it, I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about it, I'm sure. Um, the gameplay seems pretty straightforward. Um, the most important bit, though, is that it, it is a lot of fun. So, you know, if it's not a lot of fun, there's no reason to play it. But uh, this one is doing really well. <clears throat> so... I did want to talk about a couple of other game-related news. Um, uh, these are, this is stuff that caught my eye. Uh, first up, EA released an iPhone version of their massively popular Mass Effect this week. Um, I haven't downloaded it. I, I don't know that I ever will. Um, it's said to be more storytelling, less RPG-ish, sort of like an animated graphic novel. Uh, it does use the tilt controls, which is smart, you know, because, I mean, it's an iPhone app, and if it didn't use the tilt controls, I think that'd be kind of stupid. Um, but I'm really wondering if it's not just a, a fluff piece, you know, a, a bridge game, um, something to get you thinking about Mass Effect again, uh, since they're working on Mass Effect 2, you know, even as I record this. Uh, I do have the original Mass Effect for the Xbox 360. Um, I played it quite a bit, uh, given my, my, my short attention span theater kind of mind when it comes to these games. You know, I, I can't get into the big massive games anymore. It doesn't really appeal to me the way that it used to. Um, you know, I was an old school gamer. Uh, Legend of Zelda, Final Fantasy, all that kind of stuff. I, I can't do it anymore. Um, it, it just bugs me. I, I did really like it, though. Um, the graphics were just fantastic. Uh, I love the way the game plays. It was done really, really well. Um, I love the way that it switched between, you know, being an RPG and, and a first-person shooter kind of stuff, you know, and, and switched between, you know, those two different kind of... Um, platforms I guess um, but you know Mass Effect for the iPhone I, 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 I just don't see myself buying it <clears throat> I, part of what I read about it says that they're introduce, uh, introducing characters who are going to appear in Mass Effect 2 which is why I kind of think that this is just a fluff piece of bridge game um, you know to bring people from the first game into the second game um, so that doesn't necessarily appeal to me if you want to check it out, more power to you. Feel free. Um, it's in the App Store. It's it's a $5 download. Um, have fun and uh, shoot me an email or something. Let me know if you think it's any good. So there. Um, the other bit of news this week um, comes from the Entertainment Merchants Association, which kind of sounds to me like, uh, as I'm reading the story, it, it, like the video game equivalent of the RIAA. Um, and, and I'm just imagining that soon I'm going to see, you know, EMA sued such and such for blah, 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 blah. Um, anyway, they announced this week that uh, they really feel video games should have a point-of-sale activation. They think that this will eliminate piracy, as games would have to be activated upon purchase at any retail store um, before you could play them. So, you know, if you shoplift the game or someone gives you a pirated copy or you download a pirated copy, you know, any of the... Um, of those scenarios that they say you'd be screwed because each copy would be unique and would require the storefront activation in order to play without the activation the game would just be a useless disc 
um, they want to include this on all console games. So if someone, you know, uh, it doesn't matter if it's Wii, Xbox, PS3, if it's a stolen copy and it wasn't activated in the store, uh, when you put it in your console, it does not work. Um, again, they think that this will reduce piracy, reduce theft, and uh, save the industry billions of dollars in lost sales. I think that all this is going to do is create a new market um, and a new industry of people um, dedicated to cracking the games and cracking the storefront activation. Um, look, they've been trying to figure out a way to lock games um, very nearly since the, the beginning, you know, uh, dongles, codes, who knows what else, you know, hell, the guys over at Penny Arcade, uh, Tycho and Gabe, they had a great comic about this. Uh, it was called The Origin of the CD Keys, and they showed the evolution of game DRM from, you know, codes and code wheels to dongles um, to their suggestion of live snakes. <laughs> uh, so, what's kind of funny is I, I really had to dig through their site to find, I remembered the comic, but I couldn't remember what it was called or when it was. So I had to really dig through their site to find it. Um, but I do have the link now, um, in the show notes. So go click it and, uh, check it out. It's kind of funny. Um, there's actually three, three different pieces to that. So there's part one, part two, part three. Um, and if you're not reading Penny Arcade, my God, why not? It's hilarious. You know, uh, that's a great web comic. So is uh, PVP online. So is, uh, extra life. So, you know, check them all out. Anyway, um, I read a little bit further into this, did a little bit more research, um, and something came up from EA's CEO, which I kind of liked. Um, he doesn't really mind piracy because he says the bulk of the content for the game is now online for a lot of their stuff, a lot of their titles. So like uh, with their Sims 3, you, you buy the retail and you get half the game. You get one city. So... You, you have to register the product and go online to get the rest of the game, which is the second city. And that means, you know, you have to have that purchased um, copy. You have to have a licensed copy. And I think that's, you know, a smart way to go. So, and, and I'm really, I'm thinking, you know, at the, as we move forward and we're moving towards this uh, cloud-based game environments, which I know some people are kind of wondering how that's going to work, but I, I think that is the future, um, where the content is not local to your machine, but it's somewhere out on a server, and you're accessing the server. Um, at, at that point, it's going to get a lot harder to pirate games. So, you know, why bother with some overbloated retail activation that's really only going to piss people off and probably cause prices to go up because the retailers, you know, if you give them an extra step, they aren't going to want to do it without a little extra kickback their way. Um, or if they have to purchase equipment or something, you know, they're going to want to cover that. Um, so they're going to want to make a little bit more money off the sale of the game to cover the equipment. So the whole thing is just going to be this huge big mess. You know, uh, I think they should just wait, wait for the cloud environment, um, see what's going to happen. Uh, and if that just fixes the problem naturally, you know, that way we don't have to do some overbloated hassle that, you know, that'll have to be put in place. Um, we just have to wait and see. So my my suggestion is wait and see video game industry don't do anything stupid so that's it for um video game news for this week um and i'm moving on transformers 2 open this week um this is the sci-fi fantasy news piece um transformers 2 open this week and uh, reviews are mixed on the one hand it's made just a ton of money. I mean, one report said 170 million so far, um, and I think that was a couple of days ago. So 
they probably made more since then. Um, on the other hand, there's things like this. Um, I'm quoting here, and again, I'm using the sarcastic air quotes. Uh, it's a horrible experience of unbearable length, briefly punctuated by three or four amusing moments. Ouch. Yikes. Um, okay, that's from uh, Roger Ebert, um, the 4,000-year-old film critic from the Chicago Sun-Times. Okay, he's not really 4,000 years old. Uh, at least I don't think he is, but <clears throat> who knows? He, he kind of looks it. Um, he continues, If you want to save yourself the ticket price, go into the kitchen, cue up a male choir singing the music of hell, and get a kid to start banging pots and pans together. Then close your eyes and use your imagination. <laughs> Ouch. Um, tell us what you really think, uh, Ebert. I mean, my God. Uh, unfortunately, he's not alone in his criticism of the movie. Uh, Sci-Fi Wire's Fred Topol said, Revenge of the Fallen has lost the fun of Transformers. It's mechanical, pun intended, going through a plot that doesn't matter to get to visuals that are not impressive. Um, Rotten Tomatoes has it at 21% on their uh, tomato meter and says the consensus is Transformers Revenge of the Fallen is a noisy, underplotted, and overlong special effects extravaganza that lacks a human touch. Wow. <clears throat> so uh, what does all of this mean? Well, to me, I'm still going to go see it. Uh, obviously, I've been distra uh, distracted by hospital stuff this week. Um, but I still want to see this film and, and make up my own mind. And this is the kind of movie that you really need to see it, you know, on the big screen. Um, so I suggest you do the same. Uh, the box office is big on this one, and that makes me think that people are liking it and they're telling their friends, which means word of mouth. You know, people are still going to see it. Um, we'll just have to wait and see if, you know, that drops off next week or if it kind of stays strong. Um, I, I really want to see this on the big screen, though. So, you know, I think you should, too. Um and I don't know, you know, what's the next big movie coming out um, next weekend? I don't think there's anything huge, huge major, um, not, at least not in genre flicks. I think Ice Age and Public Enemies are coming out next week. Um, and they're not really, well, I, I guess Ice Age could be a genre flick, but Public Enemies is about John Dillinger. That's the new Johnny Depp thing. Um, I don't think that's, you know, any kind of genre flick. Obviously, that'll take a bite out of it, but I don't know how big of a bite. Um, both of those open next weekend. We'll have to just see, you know, what that does to Transformers, you know, if it if it uh, brings that down or not. Um, and then I guess, you know, on the horizon, uh, the next big thing will be Harry Potter on the 15th of July and uh, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. Cobra! I can't do that very well. Um, uh, that comes on August 7th. So there's still some time to see, you know, if the Transformers continue to have any momentum or, you know, when it drops off everybody's radar. Whatever. Um, okay. I'm going to pimp a website this week uh, under Sci-Fi News. <clears throat> this is uh, sfsignal.com. Uh, this is a great site and a great source uh, for news, you know, all things sci-fi. Um, I even follow John D. on Twitter, and uh, he always points me to some of the best stuff out there. Um, the site and the Twitter feed has uh, uh, daily tidbits, um, free fiction around the web, uh, the mind meld, um, you know, stuff that's on the web this week, reviews of books, reviews of movies, what's coming up on the, on the tube, you know, what new books are being released, all that kind of good stuff. Um, it's a really great site. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, SFsignal.com. And of course, um, John D is, uh, he's the guy doing the Twitter thing. So that's also worthwhile. 
Um, check it out. Tell them I sent you. Okay. This week in book news, um, ebooks are on the rise. This is according to an article on PublishersWeekly.com. Um, this is due in no part, uh, no small part, to the, the new Kindle um, and its companion uh, application on the iPhone. Uh, another article I read talked about um, how audiobooks are, are really popular right now and kind of on the rise. Um, it mentioned the fact that more people are working from home these days and, you know, they're either on the computer or doing things that uh, require them um, to basically not have their hands available as they're doing other stuff. Um, and as such, they like to have the audio going um, either on an iPod or an iPhone because they, they, they want to read, but they just can't, you know, hold a book and turn the pages. So... Um, the audiobooks are doing really well. This makes complete sense to me. Um, the publisher's weekly article talks specifically about romance novels um, being popular as ebooks. I, I don't get that. I don't read those. I don't know of any guys who do, um, but obviously, you know, they're popular, so they're. Um, I think the trend is solid on both fronts, um, with authors and publishers looking for ways to take advantage of the technology available to them and, you know, to grow the audience. Um, and their readership, you know, why wouldn't you publish to Kindle um, or, you know, create a, an audiobook on a podcast? Um, it just makes sense. And I, and I don't think it costs that much, you know, so it's kind of a no brainer for them. Um, the only thing I can see affecting this trend is the Kindle DRM policy. You know, if someone downloads a book and then tries to push it to their iPhone or iTouch app, and they come up against that hidden, you know, uh, uh, limited download policy, um, that's going to kill the whole thing. Um, and I can see people, you know, running away from this. Um, I'm also curious about the trade factor. Uh, paperback, paperbacks tend to make the rounds between friends. Um, DRM policies make that pretty difficult, and I think that's going to hurt it. Um, in the end, you know, because the word of mouth marketing is only so much, uh, someone still has to make the effort to buy the book versus, you know, someone handing you the paperback. Um, a lot of people become exposed to new authors when their friends recommend something to them and then hand them the book and say, here, read this and then get it back to me. Um, if you can't do something similar like that with an ebook, I, I think that you're just limiting yourself over time. And, you know, one of the things that I, I, I've been thinking about was um, Dan Brown and the Da Vinci Code. Um, I hadn't read the Da Vinci Code. There was a lot of buzz about it. Um, and I remember I went to the bookstore and they didn't actually have any copies. They were completely sold out, but they had Angels and Demons. So I picked that up. Um, and I st kind of started reading that and it, that wasn't necessarily resonating with me very well. So I kind of put it down. And my cousin was telling me, you have to read the Da Vinci Code. And at that point, I was kind of like, eh, well, you know, I kind of read Angels and Demons a little bit, and I didn't really care for it. She says, no, 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 no. You have to read the Da Vinci Code. And she slapped the book into my hand and said, here, read this, and then get it back to me. So I did. And I loved it. And I, I got really into it, and I, and I thought that was great. And so I gave her copy back to her, and then I ran out and bought one myself. So, you know, I think that that sort of interaction... Um, really helps to grow readership as well. And unless or until they can come up with something um, that approximates that, you know, like maybe you can send your ebook to someone for 30 days, you know, I don't know, something like that. Um, and who knows, they may even have a, something in place already that I don't know about. But, uh, you know, something like that I think would be really good and would help them in the long run. Who knows? Um, maybe they'll do something like that. Maybe they won't. I don't think they will. 
but uh, that's just me. Uh, moving on, Tor.com. Tor is a publisher of a book. I mean, Robert Jordan, Ellie Modisett Jr., um, Terry Goodkind. I think those are all Tor books. Um, Tor.com has launched a new online store, uh, but it's got an interesting spin. They aren't just selling their own books. Uh, they're selling genre titles from every publisher under the sun. They've got 45,000 different titles um, on their on their website. It's a store.tor.com. Uh, they're covering everything from uh, uh, comics and graphic novels, manga, short stories, anthologies, sci-fi and fantasy, horror, mystery, romance. I mean, they, they really are trying to be a, a one-stop shop. I think it's uh, a little unusual that a publisher would launch a site to sell books that include, you know, what is basically their competition. Um, but that is uh, a twist that just might make the site, you know, survive long-term. Um, at first glance, it doesn't look like there are any particular deals here, you know, pricing seems pretty standard. I think that's uh, really the only thing that they're missing at this point is some sort of discount system because the pricing, it's not any different from if you just walked into a um, brick and mortar store, you know, and purchased a book. And one of the draws to purchasing books online is obviously, you know, getting the deal. Um, that's why we go to Amazon. That's why we go to these different places because we're looking for that different deal um, and to save a few bucks. So... Um, me being me, I really kind of went through their site and looked at a lot of different things, and I came across their um, FAQ, started going through that, and I found their browser support link, and it listed the browsers that the site supports uh, as being Internet Explorer 5.5 and above and <laughs> Netscape Communicator. Really? Uh, Netscape Communicator. Does anyone still use that browser? Um, is it even relevant anymore? Uh, you know, I I manage uh, several websites um, through work, and I use Google Analytics, and I can't remember the last time I saw Netscape Navigator in the browser list for for you know people visiting websites. So uh, this really annoyed me. <laughs> you know, where's Safari? Where's Firefox? You know, where are the other browsers? Um, this makes me cringe a little bit and think, you know, that uh, I'm dealing with a, a website or, or a developer who is kind of naive about web technology and what's going on out there or is out of, out of touch because, you know, Netscape Communicator, um, they're, that's just not relevant anymore. So um, there's that. In, uh, in other book news, and speaking of the Da Vinci Code, um, Dan Brown, author of the massively popular Da Vinci Code, um, and the less massively popular, in my opinion, um, but nonetheless worthy of making uh, being made into a movie, Angels and Demons, um, has been working on a new book for a while. Uh, it's highly anticipated. It's called uh, The Lost Symbol, and uh, it's already starting to make a bit of a splash on the web thanks to uh, a viral marketing campaign that uses um, not only the book's official website, thelostsymbol.com, but also um, a Facebook fan page and a Twitter feed you know, to kind of get some information out there. Similar to the marketing that they did for the Da Vinci Code, uh, which worked really well, um, the new campaign feature, features an array of hidden puzzles and games scattered across the internet. The concept here is that they are going to um, give up codes, trivia, puzzles, ciphers, you know, all the kinds of stuff that, that um, Brown is famous for and that his character, you know, Robert Langdon, kind of figures out in the books. Um, they're going to put all that out on Twitter um, and on Facebook and other places. Um, all the tease people 
uh, into getting interested about the book. What I don't know is, and you know what I'm what I'm kind of curious about is, if you get every bit of it, if you solve all the puzzles, if you figure out all the trivia and ciphers and are actually you know able to go through and do all this crud, do you see the big picture? I mean, what do you get? What's what's the payoff here? Do you then know what the book is about? Does it does it give you some kind of hint? Um, is there some sort of prize? Do you do you get to you know read a sample chapter? Um, do you get a signed copy of the book a week ahead of everyone else? You know the book um, is supposed to hit the stores on September fifteenth. Would you get it like a week ahead or something? Um, I don't know. And uh, the, the the big problem for me is that I'll never do this stuff. I mean I'll never figure it out. I, I won't be able to keep up with it. My attention span is not strong enough to put up with you know little dribbles of info every day for months on end. That that'll just drive me nuts. Um, stuff like this uh, from their Twitter feed. This is this is from Twitter.com/slash Lost Symbol. Uh, book. This would only annoy me. Here, here, here's a quote. Um, Intelligence agencies developed microbots, tiny remote control electronic bugs that can track people undetected, inspired or invasive. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, what does that mean? I seriously don't care. You know, I'll read the book when it comes out, but but this particular this particular viral marketing campaign doesn't appeal to me in the least. Um, I think it's neat. Um, I'm sure it'll resonate with certain people. Um, it'll probably work out really well for them. If you're one of the people that are into this kind of stuff, great. Kudos to you. Um, do me a favor. If you end up following the whole thing and figure it out, shoot me an email and tell me. You know, um, that's the way I'll know. So there. Um, that's all I have on uh, book news. So I'm going to move on. New music. Okay. This is a new segment that I'm doing. Um I'm always interested in finding new music, new artists, and I've decided to, to do that and then plug them here when I find them. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a weekly thing or not, but we'll see. Um, the music and our artist, they might not be new to you. I will give that little caveat out there. Um, but they're definitely new to me um, because that's just the way I am. So now that you know the premise, um, I'm just going to kind of push on here. Um, this week, I'm, I'm going to talk about Aaron Elrod, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-R-O-D. Um, Aaron is from the Rocky Mountains, so we give him um, some credit for that. However, he's from the Canadian version, so I'm not going to hold that against him today, but uh, maybe later. I found him through Amaze.fm, but his stuff is also available for download on iTunes and uh, Amazon.com. He also has a MySpace page at um, slash Aaron Elrod. Um, but I hate MySpace with a fiery passion that burns deep within my chest, so I refuse to go to MySpace and check it out. Sorry. Um, I have taken and uh, done a little excerpt from his uh, Lonely Roads album. Um, it's a song called In Case You Ever Do. I'm going to play it for you right now. Here you go. In case things ever change in case you ever want them to In case you ever forgive me In case you ever do In case you're ever lonely In case you ever feel like I do In case you ever want me to hold you In case you ever do There it is. Um, again, that's Aaron Elrod from uh, Lonely Roads is the album. Um, the song is In Case You Ever Do. I strongly encourage you to check him out and download his stuff. 
Again, available on iTunes or Amazon. Um, great guitar, strong voice, good lyrics, um, kind of mellow stuff, singer-songwriter. Uh, I really like it. I thought you might too. And if you are someone out there who um, wants to sue me over my playing this little excerpt, I would beg you not to because um, I'm trying to, you know, get people to buy your stuff. So leave me alone. Alrighty. Well, this is the part of the podcast where I talk about my own writing and my progress on uh, my novel. Um, currently, it's Sam Kane uh, is the tentative title. It's from the New Universe, which is my own little uh, sandbox that I like to play in. Um, and I like to talk about, you know, again, the progress of the novel, which kind of sounds a little bit ominous. The novel. Anyway. The bad news is that I haven't really made much progress this week. Um, I started editing last weekend, then I got it in my head, you know, that I really wanted to do this podcast thing. I, so I produced the first podcast. Um, then I went back to editing, um, but then the hospital stuff happened, and that sort of knocked me off track. Um, I plan to take up the cause again this weekend, um, and you know, into next week. So uh, I hope I have more to say about that in uh, episode three than I do today in episode two. Um, in the meantime. Um, another thing that kind of distracted me was I did start working on two new flash fiction pieces that I'm going to put up on the blog this next week. So um, be watching for those. The first is called Dungeon Master, uh, and the second is called Ghost Story. Um, both are very nearly almost uh, entirely complete. Um, so they should be making appearances on the blog um, in this next week. That's the blog.thenewuniverse.com. I've added a new category, flash fiction, um, there in the blog. So um, that's where these pieces are going to go. So I hope that makes it easier for you to find them uh, when you're when you're in the mood, you know, and looking for something to read. All right. Um, well, that's that's it for this week. Um, not quite an hour, um, but close. Uh, I want to thank you again for coming along for the ride. Um, I'll see you next week, hopefully, um, for episode three. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget to check out the blog, All Things From My Brain. That's at theblog.thenewuniverse.com. Uh, and if you are so inclined, you can also follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash ATFMB. Um, that's All Things From My Brain. Uh, whatever amuses or interests me during the week gets talked about on my Twitter feed. And a lot of the show prep happens in real time, sort of. Um, you know, as I link to stuff as I'm researching or reading the billions of news feeds that I subscribe to. So uh, if that's something that you're interested in, you know, and you want to see that kind of stuff during the week, by all means, follow me on Twitter. If you want to comment or ask me any questions or suggest anything cool that I should be paying attention to, um, please visit the blog.thenewuniverse.com uh, and find the, the show notes for episode two and, and, and post a comment. Um, or feel free to email me at podcast at thenewuniverse.com. And, uh, you know, if I get enough of that kind of stuff, I, I might start going over the questions and the comments here, you know, make comments about that. So um, here in the podcast. So that's always a possibility. Feel free to email me. Um, hope you have a good week. Uh, next weekend is the 4th of July, but I'll still try and put up a podcast in between eating, you know, hot dogs and, and, uh, uh potato salad. We'll see how that goes. If for some reason I, I can't post, if something comes up, um, I'll let you know on Twitter or on the blog or both. Um, so, uh, you'll get a heads up. Until then, I hope you have a great week, and uh, I will see you later.